there are um, examples in the Bible like Daniel uh, being being of young age but being devoted to prayer and communion with the Father. Um, we could see the journey of prayer and the development of prayer through the life of David. Um, prayer is something that I believe that all believers need to embrace in their life and to be a prayer warrior. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson, and today I'm speaking with Pastor Roosevelt Etheridge. Pastor Etheridge has written a book published by Charisma House called The Making of a Prayer Warrior, Essentials for Growth in Prayer. And this is something that all Christians need, so I think we have a few things to talk about, Pastor Etheridge. Awesome. I'm glad to engage in the conversation on prayer. Well, welcome to Charisma Connection. I'm going to call you Pastor Rose, since that's what everybody calls you. I invite you to do that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Thank I, you. I love it. Now, I understand you uh, live in Wilson, North Carolina. You're a native of that town, and uh, you are an ordained elder and pastor of Living Word Ministries International. You serve as an overseer of intersecting ministries, and you minister a lot in the Philippines, and I think you go to Italy as well. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. At this um, juncture, I actually serve six countries, uh, plus the United States, seven different languages. And mm-hmm. the Philippines and Italy are, are, part, of those, uh, are part of those countries that we, we serve. I have about 60, 60 days cumulative time in three different countries. So that's a lot of time invested. And um, this year I am on the highway a lot just evangelizing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, excellent. I hope you like to travel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had some time, and uh, you were able to write a short book here for uh, Creation House, one called, as I mentioned, The Making of a Prayer Warrior. It teaches on a very powerful subject, a life of prayer. And the term prayer warrior is not really in the scriptures, but of course, a lot of Christian-type terms are not in the scriptures, but the concept certainly is. Could you explain what a prayer warrior actually is? Well, in my definition of a prayer warrior, I believe that this is someone that has um, endured a test of time, not the test of time, uh, because the test of time will be the end of life. And this person can be an individual of of age, definitely not um, an adolescent, but definitely having some age to their life where they've been able to uh, persevere through various life uh, discourses and come out of those discourses with Jesus being their revelation and their truth and God being their identification marker. There are... Um, Examples in the Bible, like Daniel, um, being being of young age, but being devoted to prayer and communion with the Father, um, we could see the journey of prayer and the development of prayer through the life of David. Uh, prayer is something that I believe that all believers need to embrace in their life and to be a prayer warrior. It means that you're not only just praying on your own accord or your own behalf. 
but you have now gained a maturity where Paul talks about the gift of faith and this faith that you possess, that you are now um, have a durability and an endurance to be able to pray with others or communities or cities or countries um, in the face of adversity and challenge, believing God, our Father and Almighty, believing that he would not only be a promise keeper to his word, but he also would manifest his presence um, in any situation against any odds, because the Bible talks about that when when we believe in him, that he'll be so kind to hear us. And so I believe that a prayer warrior will have some of these attributes, and it's not based on what he or she may wear, neither is it based on how long their prayer is, but I believe it's really centered around the the content of their heart and the stability of their faith in, in Jesus Christ. Well, certainly each believer is to engage in spiritual battle, so being a prayer warrior lines up with that. Amen. Now, aside yes. from Jesus and others in the Scripture, like the Apostle Paul, have you had a great model of a prayer warrior in your life? Actually, um, this book well, was dedicated to my father, who passed in 1995. And he was um, exemplary, an exemplary model of being a pro warrior. Um, he had balance in the earth, understanding the world's problems, and had charisma in the church. But he had commitment with his heart um, and his mind and his body and his soul um, and his love and affection towards Jesus Christ. And as I aged, um, I found myself being more like him. <laughs> mm. just really uh, consumed by um, a walk of prayer, a life of prayer, a talk of prayer, and a stance of prayer. He was very in instrumental, and um, he also influenced me greatly in just having that commitment. Beyond him, I've come into so many people around the world that have played various parts, um, various roles in my life that have been instrumental in demonstrating what a prayer warrior does. And one one of the um, examples that come to mind is uh, when I was going through life's challenges, I had a few mothers that came to me and they saw the good in me when I was battling depression or battling loneliness and really didn't, my self-worth really wasn't valued very highly in my own mind. They saw beyond all of that and they said, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you. And and through the time, they kept their commitment to prayer um, consistent. And that impacted my life and, not, and also transformed my life as well. Mm, that makes a real difference when we have people come alongside and support us in that way. Now, how do the scriptures come into play as we go to battle in prayer? Uh, the scriptures are very important. Because the scriptures they operate in uh, in three dimensions. Number one, um, it, it, when, when I use the scripture, it reminds me of when the disciples are instructed about the Lord's prayer. When we first acknowledge God, when we use scriptures, it first it aligns our prayer up to who we are talking to. It it identifies that we're talking to God the Father. Um, number two, scriptures, it also 
it reignites and reaffirms our faith simultaneously. Because the Bible talks about faith cometh only by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And number three, uh, what the Scriptures does, it, it also gives us ammunition against the enemy. And that enemy would be powers of darkness. It would be uh, um, um, powers of, of evil and wickedness. And, and what it does is that it causes us to remain solid in, in the Lord. So we're not looking through our eyes, our, our physical eyes, to identify if God is manifesting His Word, manifesting His promises, because His promises are hidden in our heart, just like He said, His Word said, have my Word, have I hidden in your heart so you might not sin against it. And when we're praying His Word, these three things are being reiterated and demonstrated and displayed simultaneously. And I believe that when we just doesn't, when we just don't pray prayers of repetition, as Scripture was said, um, that what happens is that we are moved by the Spirit of Christ. Uh, and when we don't know what to pray for, I love how Scripture echoes to say that the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you, I, and, and everyone else, that it makes intercession for us. And I think that is highly important. Mm-hmm. And that all comes into play when we have to battle demonic activity in our lives, too, doesn't it? Do you have any examples Amen. of that? Yes, yes, I, I have many, many examples of that. What I want to do is give um, three, three examples uh, in three different um, capacities, definitely for those that are listening, because spiritual warfare is not something that just battles the mind of a person. But spiritual warfare uh, is elusive, and there are many demonstrations of spiritual warfare, and sometimes we negate the fact that we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, spiritual battles can be um, um, ushered through um, sicknesses. They can be ushered through finances, job loss. They can be ushered in um, through family chaos and and so forth and so on. Um, I am the product of a divorce. I am a single father. My son is now 21. And um, one of the spiritual battles that I found myself in being a single father, raising my son, was he got to an age where um, the fight between he, he and I was the fight to love him as a father. And I knew it was a spiritual battle because my son was being a teenager, like like everyone else's teenager, but <laughs> he was still bitter and angry. Mm -hmm. um, at the fact that he's now the result of a divorce, and he has a single-parent home. And there were things that he was angry about, and he wanted to make me feel guilty for his life as he felt being in shambles. And there were there were times where um, he just really felt, felt down, and what the enemy wanted to do with that situation, he wanted me to take it all personal. He wanted me to take it so personal, saying uh, that I would um, just become offended by my son. Well, I had to get to a place to understand that prayer helped me to understand that he had to go through a process, and I didn't have to stop loving him. But it prayer taught me how to love him through a process, to where I would lose my love as a father for him. 
Right. Excellent. Um, and, and there's a lot right. of people who can relate to that one, I'm sure. Oh, it's the 21st century. Things are happening mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. our millennials. Oh, my Lord. Um, spirit, spiritual warfare, doing ministry. And uh, every time you are commit to God, whether it's ministry, business, community efforts, um, transition, let's say you hear God telling you to move to this city or this state because that's what he wants for you to do. Um, I always tell people in, in training is that the moment you commit to God, I'm talking about the very second, the very, the very millisecond that you commit to God in your heart, the war begins. And the enemy will create hardship, challenges, unexpected things will occur. I mean, these things will happen. And sometimes for some people, it would be like wildfire had just broken broken out in their lives. And the enemy uses that to ultimately discourage them and deter them for what they heard God speak to them. And he will create these adversities so that the individual cannot see the advantage. And with uh, engaging in prayer, prayer becomes like um, night vision or x-ray vision. It gives us the ability to see beyond the enemy line so that we can recommit ourselves to the will and the promise of God for our lives. And, and lastly, it can be with education. Life can happen. And there are some that will listen to this podcast today where God has told them to go to school. And everybody that go to school will not go to seminary. But God maybe have been um, instructing them to get some certification in an area or, or get some additional education for what he wants to implement through them in the earth ramp. And the moment that they committed in their heart that they wanted to go to school, they ended up with a sickness or they ended up with um, some debt that they needed to resolve or their children needed more attention or their marriage needed more attention. And now uh, they have the burden and the call of God to go to to the institution, but now they feel like time is against them, and the enemy can war against that. And, and out of Scripture, the Bible talks about how God can release the blessings from the heavens, and that it's not that God didn't answer our prayer, but the evil angels, the demonic angels, will hold up the blessing because now they're warring with our angels that shall release our blessing. And what prayer does, it helps to fashion us in a place to where we can stay in tune with what God says, and we can continue to uh, speak those things that be not, or that as as they are not, as though they shall be in our lives, and over lives of people that's in, in our midst. And I believe that these are just various attributes of spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about the power of intercession, and then you also talk about how prayer is similar to the Old Testament tabernacle and all the different areas, the three areas of the Old Testament tabernacle. Could you share something about that and how we make progress in prayer and how that aligns with that Old Testament illustration? Amen. Um, Certainly. Um, What what I believe is that that prayer and intercession is that that we as, as believers have to make sure that our character, our character uh, gives us access as we move forward in, in prayer. There's one, uh, one uh, a few sentences that I want to read out of this work 
that talks about the character uh, of the intercessor because the character of the intercessor is going to align with how we um, move in depth um, in intercession um, using the tabernacle model, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. But here um, in this book, I say the character of an intercessor is not predicated on their socioeconomic status. An intercessor can easily be identified by the disciplines they practice. Devotion to learning the Word of God and practicing godly principles are basic traits of a prayer warrior. When we do this, the outer court, um, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place is, is a demonstration of, in the outer court, we can have, let me say, social prayers, uh, where we are able to pray and, and every believer or, or every person can say a, say a prayer like praying over your food, saying the grace over your dinner or over your your breakfast or over your lunch. Mm-hmm. Then we have the inner court where there becomes another level of responsibility of the prayer prayer warrior because everyone is not um, not um, permitted inside of the, the inner court. Inside of this inner court, this, this demonstration of a person, um, he or she, now takes on various responsibilities and commitments to prayer. Um, now, God is, now, because God is sovereign, he responds in the outer court and he responds in the inner court. But what makes it different be- between these stages is that we, as the individual, we present ourselves with another level of submissiveness to the Father. So in the outer court, um, our submissiveness to prayer and Christian disciplines is not um, the same as it is when we're in the inner court. Now, when you go to the most holy place, which now, according to the tabernacle, only the priest could go there, uh, now there's a, another level of commitment, uh, another level of submissiveness to the Father that is required of, of us as an individual, um, that once we are in this most holy place with God, that this is um, a place where prayer warriors and and intercessors that lead intercessory teams and groups should should reside and it's in this place in the most in this most holy place where we are not judgmental it is in this place where we are demonstrating the love of Christ and grace for all men it is in this place where in the most holy place where we are not just prayer warriors as in um, speaking forth what we want to see done in the earth but we are also responsive because this is where you would see God bubble forth, just like those going in the, in the tabernacle. Men and women can come out of this place of prayer in the most holy place. They can come out of this place of prayer with revelation, with answers, with truth, with direction and clarity. And I believe that is a discipline that is required to get into that place. Now, can we stay in that place um, for 24 hours a day, seven day, days a week? The answer is no, um, because God is too powerful for us to stay in that uh, in his presence for that long because when we come out we still have to be able to demonstrate his love and his grace and his power in the earth realm so um, I believe that this is instrumental in the life of a Christian and definitely it is a necessity for us to push ourselves to grow and to develop to these to this level of prayer and you say that prayer is not difficult. Now, I, I bet you some people in our audience today would disagree with that. But uh, why do you say that? 
Well, I, I say that because in my um, Christian tradition, I used to listen to people that would pray, and I guarantee some that are listening to this um, broadcast today that they have the same example. You listen to people that you admired in your Christian walk, and they will pray, and it seemed like God would just sit down in your midst, Christine. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like God would just come and just walk beside you. You were like, oh, my God, I know that person can pray. But when you begin to talk to the Father, your prayers didn't sound like their prayers. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I was intimidated to talk to him because, um, yes, I believe that we should pray the scripture, but I didn't know that many verses. <laughs> mm. So I wasn't sure if he was going to listen to me. So I had to start developing in prayer. And what I learned about prayer being easy is that it's a conversation, talking to God from my heart. Yes, and, and we do and, make that difficult. <laughs> yeah, we, we make it difficult. I mean, we, we make it difficult because we've structured prayer in a way that says, uh, rather than say structured, let me say we've made prayer so mechanical mm. that people fail to just have the conversation with the Father. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Now, also in the church, you bring up this other concern, and you dedicate a chapter to it, that um, men and women have uh, different perspectives on prayer and that women tend to be the ones who speak up in prayer other than church leadership. And so men might be a little shy in taking their position as prayer warriors. So how can women help to remedy that? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to answer that question and let me first speak to the, the male side. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that men have taken uh, a backseat in prayer um, willingly. I don't even want to say unwilling. I think it's willingly that they've just taken a backseat in prayer. And I don't think that it is fair to the women that men, that Christian men have taken such of a far backseat in prayer that you don't see us visibly included with women that pray in the open. And the reason I make this argument is because um, when I am communicating with my Islamic brothers and my Buddhist brothers and my Hindu brothers, those men are visible. Hmm. They're up front and they're out front. You can see them all over the world. You can see them. But when it comes when it comes time for a Christian man that loves God, that identifies that Jesus is the Son of God, and that loves them with his whole heart, he becomes passive in prayer. So women. Women, by nature, end up taking this forefront role, and there are many women, Christine, that don't want to—they don't want to be in the prayer alone. They want the other gender represented. They want the male presence. But there's something that has been uh, um, demonstrated in our American lives for men to—when we come to prayer, then we speak softly. Or if we come to prayer, we don't become as vulnerable as the women. If we are in prayer, we're not as vocal and as loud as the women. So one of the things that women can do uh, to help men in prayer is encourage them to be present when they pray. Very good. Well, tell me more about the code of conduct that you close your book with, a code of conduct you believe we must adhere to in prayer. The code of conduct. I believe that this code of conduct is is characterized with 
um, the Lord's Prayer, and that how we acknowledge God, that if we can keep this portion of the Lord's Prayer, not just reciting the Lord's Prayer just because it's the Lord's Prayer or it's been coined as the Lord's Prayer, um, because athletes um, say the prayer, young children say the prayer, but I believe that when we pray that we should take on a conduct that says that we will take the, the the stanzas of the prayer or the premises of that prayer, break it up, and make sure that when we pray to the Father, that we are addressing Him in the same manner. So I want to want to read this one portion about the code of conduct. It says, in the code of conduct for interceding, Jesus teaches us how to address the Father by petitioning Him through prayer. There are several areas we must acknowledge when engaging in prayer according to Jesus' instructions. The disciples wanted to know how to pray, and in Matthew 6, 9-13, Jesus provided a model prayer while exemplifying the elements of a complete prayer. And it is that it is that that causes me to believe that when we fashion our prayer to the Father, first acknowledging Him, our Father, which are in heaven. So we're not just praying to any Father. We're praying to the God of the heavens, who has a son named Jesus. All right. How holy is your name? All right. We, we, when we're praying to him, one of the first things we can do is just thank him. Before we even ask him of anything, just thank him. Thank him for being who he is and who he remains to be. Acknowledging him and just appreciating him. When we, when we pray to him, uh, I remind him of his own word that he released to us that was written for us to continue to grow on and identify who he is. As we, as we continue to petition him through, through this code of conduct, understand that these elements are not to distract us, but they are to invite us into a presence full of, full of divinity where his power and his authority reigns. Because the Bible says, and whatsoever we ask in prayer, believing that which we shall receive. And I believe that if we keep our code of conduct and our ethics, um, our, our, our ethics, not natural ethics, but if we can keep our spiritual ethics, our moral compass aligned with God, then what will happen for us, we'll put ourselves in the presence of supernatural opportunities that man can't provide. And that man can't deny. And I believe that's what the code of conduct would do for us. Excellent. Well, The Making of a Prayer Warrior is a small book, but I can tell it's packed with some really important uh, principles about prayer. Now, would you mind praying for our listeners as they seek to walk closer to the Lord in their prayer life? Amen. I would love to do so. Father, we thank you for this moment and this time that you've given us. God, you are all-knowing and you are all-wise. God, for every listener, Father, that is engaged in this moment with you, God, we ask, oh God, that you release us into a deeper realm of, of prayer. You said the deep, call it unto the deep. Father, our spirit and our hearts are open unto you. God, we pray, Father, for those that may be in the midst of hardship looking for clarity. God, let the Holy Spirit guide them, lead them, oh, Father, to the, to the doors of truth. God, you said that the Spirit of Christ, 
Oh, Father, it will lead us to all, all doors. Now, Father, I ask you that while we are in this morning of prayer, that you will allow the spirit of intercession to fall upon your sons and your daughters that are listening. God, that's been hearing you call them. Now, God, give them the courage to answer back. Now, Father, as we close, God, bless this broadcast. Bless us here. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, that your name will still be glorified and that there will be testimonies of who you are as we continue to become prayer warriors in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Now, how can people learn more about your ministry and your book, Pastor Rowe? You can follow me on my website, which is www.reliveglobal.org. That's R-E-L-I-V-E-G-L-O-B-A-L.org. I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm on YouTube. You can follow me there, as well as you can get the book from Charisma. Uh, I am so excited and to meet my brothers and sisters around the world. Let's be friends. Let's be family. Let's expand the kingdom of God together. Well, that sounds good, Pastor Rowe. So the book is called The Making of a Prayer Warrior, Essentials for Growth in Prayer. It's from Creation House, and we sure appreciate your time today, and we hope people will go to reliveglobal.org and learn more about you and your ministry, and uh, maybe there'll be future books for you, too. Amen. Are you ready uh, for that? for me. I hope so. <laughs> well, God is expanding your ministry, certainly, so that's, that's a wonderful thing. Thank you for being with us here today on, on Charisma Connection. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> I can. Well, it's been, yes. a, been a blessing to us and to our listeners. So I'll close now by saying that I'm Chris Johnson, and I hope you will tune in to even more Charisma Connection shows. Thank you for joining us today for a conversation on the book, The Making of a Prayer Warrior. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>